Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly roundup for the week ending 23rd of September 2022. In last week's Green Edge post, we reported on how the Department for Education's Strategic Development Fund has been distributed around England in a set of awards to employer representative bodies for the development of local skills improvement plans, or LSIPs. And we continue with LSIPs in this week's post, where we take a closer look at the Trailblazer LSIP released in March 2022 by the Sussex Chamber of Commerce. There were eight of these Trailblazer LSIPs across England, and Michael, you thought Sussex in particular had some good stuff in it. Yes, we thought Sussex was an excellent piece of work and very thorough. It's got about 16 annexes to it. But in particular, they made use of the Nesta-developed Open Jobs Observatory, which allowed them to actually track the content of online vacancies and job postings to help them actually come up with their own taxonomy for Sussex. And they've used this both in the green area, which we're particularly interested in, but across all the the jobs of the local area. Now, they've drilled down individual sectors for particular specific skills and also cross-sector skills. And then there's a secondary document that goes into Greener Sussex and picks up our series, I think, of five green sets of skills, which are the focus areas for a number of the local colleges. But it all hangs together as a neat package. Now, the Sussex piece of work has started, it's been completed, it's emerging into a proper action plan. But we have looming a whole series of other LSIPs being produced across the country, predominantly by Chambers of Commerce or led by Chambers of Commerce. But into that, we need to factor the the emergence of the eight free ports in England. There'll be other free ports emerging in Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales. The ones in Scotland will be greener free ports. And then on top of that, we have potentially up to 40 investment zones, details of which might be made available on Friday at Kwasi Kwarteng's statement. Now, I raise those, the free ports and the investment zones, because it's unclear how they impact the local labour markets and the flows of people in and out of work and the nature of skill development. It's a sort of hanging question at present time. What will it add to that process? And in particular, around the decarbonisation of the economy. And a reminder that you can find this week's post on greenedge.substack.com. Now, we do like to keep track of some of the movers and shakers in the green skills world. And one of our posts back in December 2021 featured a conversation with Professor Martin Siegert, who was at that time a co-director of the Grantham Institute for Climate Change and Environment at Imperial College in London. Martin told us about the MSc Climate Change Management and Finance Programme there, operated by the Imperial College Business School in partnership with the Grantham Institute. The programme is a big success and is now just going into its seventh year. But Martin himself is on the move, Michael. He is. He's off down to Exeter, down to the south coast. Now, our paths crossed with uh, Martin back in Edinburgh when he was setting up the Edinburgh Climate Change Institute. And then that was a great success educationally and research-wise. Lovely brand new building. Uh, And has also then moved down to Imperial, where, as you rightly say, helped set up the Grantham and set up this MSc. 
So our expectations of Martin's impact down in Exeter are quite great. So if he's done two big things for climate, hopefully a third very big one will happen down in Exeter. Here on The Green Edge, we've talked quite a bit about the importance of interdisciplinarity on the green economy. And with modules that include carbon accounting, the science of climate change, energy business and strategy, risk management and sustainable management and strategy, the Grantham programme certainly spans the disciplines. So much so that something like 95% of its graduates are gainfully employed three months after graduation, and that's the highest of all the Imperial College Business School programmes. When we talked to him back in December, Martin told us that while he was very happy with the way the programme has developed, he was somewhat at a loss why other business schools across the country aren't doing the same thing. I think when we look back on it, um, we've just been just delighted by how, it, how it's gone. We can't think of any... I mean, it was always a challenge to do something new. Um, uh, and uh, often, you, once you've been quite successful at it, you, you, you kind of don't remember all the difficulties and challenges in, in, in doing it, right? So it feels kind of easy what we've done. We know it isn't, um, but it was definitely worthwhile. We've, we've, we've got a powerhouse of, of young, talented people who were trained up, who really want to, to dedicate their next 20 to 30 years of their career to this challenge yeah. and without our program you know they may not have been able to do that and and we, we've been really really pleased to do it i i just remain astonished that it's not replicated i still can't believe that most business schools don't have a program like yeah. this because we've demonstrated it's successful I, and i and I, I suspect it's because of the inertia that's built in to, mm-hmm. to academia you know you teach the, the the sort of academic interests of the staff that you have and it takes a bit of time to sort of rotate it, doesn't it? Every business school has a geography program. Every business, pretty much every business school has a maths program. Climate change is the challenge of our time, right? Mm. And universities claim that they take it seriously and everything. But if they really did, surely, surely programs like this would be commonplace, right? Mm. And, and I think this is part of the sort of problem that we have more generally that people say they get it, um, determined to take action. But actually, when you look at that, really what they do, could be doing so much more. And as the country gets back to business after the sad passing of Her Majesty the Queen, we note that while we do have yet another new Secretary of State for Education, as far as we know, the junior ministerial brief under Kit Malthouse for Skills, Further and Higher Education remains with Andrea Jenkins, who was appointed all the way back on the 8th of July. Andrea is responsible for the LSIP fund that we talked about earlier in the podcast, as well as higher education reform. Here's a comment from Professor Siegert, made when her current role was just a glint in Andrea's eye, that she might like to reflect on. There's a lot of inertia, as you know, in, yeah. in the system where we don't need it. And sometimes to be free of constraints, um, we need a little bit of a push to be able to, mm. to do that. And, and I can't see universities doing that themselves. And sometimes you know, it needs to be a bit of imagination from, from more senior Uh, folk to to sort of make it happen to want it to happen so we're coming up to the end of september and michael you've been doing your usual collection of reports what's caught your eye this month i certainly have a couple have come out late in august early september one was by greenpeace a piece of work done for them by our friends at Cambridge Econometrics around the value of domestic decarbonisation and the jobs impact. 
And I think that's an interesting piece of work. It's a shame they don't drop down to the regional level with their jobs estimates, but we'll be picking up on that in our review of reports. The second is a piece done by the Barclay Laboratories in the United States around the value increase and speed of sale of making your house greener. Does it have an impact on the value you get for it and your ability to service a loan? The evidence they find, there is an uplift in certain areas, and it's something we're pursuing by looking at data in London in particular. Does a greener house sell more quickly, sell for higher value? And also, obviously, it reduces its running costs when you have to declare your uh, energy performance certificate. But it's something which I think is worth digging into. It's a very detailed piece of work, and we've only been reading the initial technical summaries. And our next monthly reports roundup will be published on Monday, the 3rd of October. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.